This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, hello. So I wanted to do an episode today about childbirth. So I'm actually not going to talk about my own um, negative experience of my first birth. So don't worry, I'm not going to put a trigger warning on this one because the reason for me wanting to do this podcast is for to empower people. So whether it's your first birth, whether it's your fourth birth, um, I want people to not feel scared about childbirth and I'm putting myself in this because obviously interestingly when I was pregnant the first time I wasn't scared at all and if anything dare I say I was actually excited about childbirth and getting to experience it and also getting to uncover the mystery of what actually happens like to your vagina because I would always see these stories of people being like mother and baby doing well and in my head I was like doing well well like how can how can the mother be well like what's happened and what's the recovery like and I would say that I had a sort of naive view of postnatal recovery probably like lots of people that you just kind of click back into place in six weeks and then back you go into the real world so obviously when I found out I was pregnant for the second time I was so excited obviously so grateful but my biggest fear was like oh my goodness I'm gonna have to go through childbirth again and I've talked a bit um, about you know what happened to me and trying to get a birth debrief and also speaking to my pelvic health physio about being diagnosed with never know how to pronounce it vaginismus vaginismus but essentially it's a trauma of um, the vagina which leaves pain so obviously it um, has an impact on being able to have pain-free intercourse or being able to use a tampon like anything at all so it's a really big thing to get my head around having to think about childbirth and every time I did think about it I found myself getting really upset so I looked at various options obviously I got my birth debrief which did help and I was recommended to do EDMR I always get the uh, abbreviation wrong. But anyway, because I'm pregnant, I was recommended that I shouldn't do it whilst pregnant. So I decided to um, speak to someone who was actually instrumental in helping me prepare for my first birth. And she has um, professional experience, but also um, personal experience. An amazing story of um, giving birth three times, twice vaginally and once through C-section. So this week, I'm really excited that she's agreed to come and speak on the podcast because I found her instrumental in helping me to get over my fears 
Um, she works really hard to take the fear out of birth before, during and after. And she takes extra focus on the recovery, which I think is just amazing and much needed. She's such a strong support for parents and families, whether that's through her teaching courses, doula support, um, and she even supports teachers themselves. So this week, it's the lovely Emiliana from the Mindful Birth Group. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. No, honestly, I'm so grateful to you because... Like I kind of mentioned in the intro, you were one of the first people I actually spoke to about being pregnant. And I was like, how on earth am I going to get through this? And now I'm at a stage where I sort of feel slightly confident in going into childbirth again. So yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited and I'm really hopeful that this will provide excitement or take the fear out of childbirth for any any mums, mums to be. And it's important to remember that you, um, every pregnancy and birth is different. Um, the first one is completely valid, no matter how you've experienced it. Um, and the second one, if you've experienced trauma before, can feel very healing. So it's really great that you're doing all of this preparation and, and putting the effort into doing this in a, in a way that helps you. Thank you. Can we talk about your own experiences of giving birth? And I guess that's probably what led you into doing what you do now. But I remember when I first met you in you telling me about your own childbirth experiences it's just such a empowering story as a whole so um yeah I'd love it if you could share it yeah sure so um I was terrified of childbirth when I found out I was pregnant um gosh about eight years ago now and I looked to my midwife to support me and I was very lucky that my midwife was um, brilliant at really empowering me to say, you know, this isn't doesn't need to be a scary experience, but you do need to understand what happens. So you can't go into it blind. And um, so she sent me off to, to do some research and, and understand a bit more about what the physiology was and what happens. And that changed everything for me. So I went from being really terrified to actually realizing that perhaps a home birth would be a good option for me. And in my area, I, I had happened to have a really good home birth team that were very supportive. And I'll, I'll say that a lot in the support word because it is important you do have the support around you as well. Um, so I went on to plan and have a preference for home birth. And that is what happened with my first daughter, Molly. Um, and then pretty much straight away after that birth experience, thought I need to talk to people about this because it really did change everything for me. Um, and it's not that I didn't want to go into hospital if I needed to, but I really understood kind of what that physiology was for me and where I would feel calmest, in control and supported and safe. If I needed to go into hospital, then that was absolutely fine too. And I made sure I knew what that entailed and what that process would be, because that's so important that you are prepared for kind of all eventualities too. I then went on to um, train to um, in antenatal education and hypnobirthing particularly. And I found that the courses that were available were very one-sided to a certain type of birth. And although I had had a home birth myself, actually teaching in a way that was saying a home birth is the best place perhaps, or, you know, be in a place where you feel completely calm and confident. And then if you're not in that place, perhaps it all goes out the window. Yeah, They weren't explicitly saying that, but that was the kind of vibe I was getting. It didn't sit well with me. So pretty quickly after I trained, um, I used my previous experience of kind of writing training courses and things to actually write my own course to say, 
you can do this for any type of birth. You can, you need to be empowered. You need to be knowledgeable. You need to consider what your options are. You need to consider who's around you and your team, and you need to be prepared for all eventualities. And that went for every type of birth. I then went on to get pregnant with my son and he was born at home as well. And all this time, whilst I was kind of going through this whole life-changing experience of birth and antenatal education and, and preparing for birth, my best friend was having um, severe fertility struggles. So she's been through uh, miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, uh, failed rounds of IVF. And that was tough, you know, really, really tough for her. And as her, you know, one of her very good friends, I really wanted to help. And I thought, well, if I've been going through this okay myself and, and things have been going quite smoothly, why don't we try surrogacy? And so I offered that to her when I was pregnant with Theo, so my son, and um, we didn't expect an answer straight away because she still wasn't quite there on her journey to make that kind of decision, but she knew it was an option. And I know that gave her some hope to think, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, we have another option and, and you know what it's like in life. If, if your options are exhausted, that's where desperation kicks in. But I think that um, kind of helped at that point. So then after Theo was born, pretty much rang her up on, you know, he'd just been born, I think probably an hour later and said, you know, I'm still going to do it for you. <laughs> and that was kind of the first conversation we had because I think she'd been slightly worried that me going through birth again, I wouldn't want to perhaps do it again or something. Anyway, we did. And um, we went on to go through a, a kind of a natural round of IVF in the sense of that um, they, it was their um, genetic baby, so their embryo, Sophie and Jack's embryo. And then that was implanted into me as a natural cycle, as it's called. It worked first time. I mean, there are a few bumps in the road up until that point, but I, I won't go through every single thing here. But it did work first time with that implantation. And little Leo was born in March 2020, um, and he was born by planned cesarean abdominal birth. What an amazing gift to give your friend, but also to go through pregnancy, especially with two children yourself. It was definitely something that I will never have a chance to experience, that feeling of just doing something for someone else that wasn't, you know, at the same, it wasn't something that I can ever replicate, I don't think, for my own family or self. It was just offering something that I knew was going to change their lives. We were going to have to sacrifice a fair, a fair amount in terms of that time of, you know, with my young family and things, but it was nothing in comparison to what they would gain at the end. <laughs> it's really interesting to me because when you were saying that you had an amazing uh, home birth, and by the way, I love hearing positive birth stories. So for anyone listening, they do exist. And it's interesting to me that you said that you found a lot of the courses that you did kind of all sort of insinuated that that was the only way to have a sort of positive and empowered birth because mm -hmm. for me personally a home birth would be my worst nightmare like the thought of having my dog there or I don't know just being in the house I feel like I'd be worrying about like the washing or the cleaning like there's something nice about getting away from it all um so yeah I, I find it really interesting and obviously when me and you met when I was pregnant with Alf um and we did the hypnobirthing course which I found amazing and fascinating and was actually in line with a lot of the stuff I learned when I trained to be a life coach but what I find really kind of sticky about hypnobirthing is that if you don't have a positive birth so in my case people sort of imply oh well you didn't do the hypnobirthing right or 
it went wrong because you didn't do it at home or you did it in a hospital environment or you did it. And that's what I find really annoying because it's like, no, I did the hypnobirthing right. And also it implies that I'm at fault somehow. So I didn't have a good birth because I just didn't do the course well enough or I didn't implement it well enough. And Mm -hmm. I find that such a frustrating thing, especially because I feel like I went into birth confident because I knew my options and I knew what to ask for, Mm -hmm. but I just wasn't listened to. And I don't think that would have been any different in a home environment or if I, obviously hypnobirthing, it it did empower me in the birth because I did know what to ask for. So, you know, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like if I felt like I'd gone into somewhere that I didn't know, but equally we weren't listened to. And mm-hmm. even though we asked and asked and asked. So um, what what do you think about, about that side of things? Yeah, I think if any course says to you, if you take this course, you'll have a positive experience. Um, it's a big red flag <laughs> because there are too many variables to be able to say, you can control everything. And that's what we talk about in our courses is that there are certain things you can control and there are certain things that are out of your control. Um, If there are instances in the birth where you are not being listened to and things, as you well know, Ashley, um, you can ask why, you can ask questions, but on the day, it comes down to how well that other person responds to that. And so you did everything right in in terms of your preparation and and everything. But there are instances where things can happen, where you then come out the other side and you are traumatized. And it's important that wherever you're getting your support from in pregnancy also supports you through that too. Why do you think there is so much support for the sort of antenatal side of things, but then when it comes to postnatal, we're sort of kind of left? (laughs) Oh gosh, in a really blunt way there's a lot of money to be made in antenatal education you know people want to know how to give birth and what the best thing to do is and people do a course and and then off you go you're into the you know into the distance and never to be seen again and that's so wrong really because actually the fourth trimester is part of the pregnancy it's part of the birth it should be a continuation of that um, support and education it's yeah it's so funny isn't it because even like the term fourth trimester like in my head I was like it's fourth trimester and then you're healed. And I didn't think about the fact of like, even with my birth, I was so grateful that he was here and healthy. Um, obviously I left the hospital four hours later, which now I find absolutely staggering, but I did. So I was just so grateful it was over and relieved it was over and he was here. And it took me actually months to process, actually, hang on a minute, what I went through was actually, it really wasn't good, but also I wasn't healed after six um, six weeks or whatever is it eight weeks for the fourth trimester um, what's the, well, three months so we really take it through to that three month period and if we really believe if you have that support and education in that time from there you will feel a lot better of course it's very different for everyone and really are we ever not postnatal after having a baby <laughs> yeah because I would say it took me 20, 20 months what am I now 21 I would say it took me 20 months to mm-hmm. feel pain free and that was obviously paying to go to a private physio who diagnosed me with, how do you say it? Vaginismus? (laughs) Yes. And I think I didn't account for like the psychological impact that would have when Mm. you feel broken or like you feel Mm -hmm. like your body's not working anymore for whatever reason. And so when did you say you went to them? To physio? Um, to Marta, about 18 months, 19 months. And actually she diagnosed me straight away. Whereas when I went to a gynecologist, he kind of insinuated it was all in my head. And I mm. was like, well, that's great if it's all in my head, but how can I get it out of my head? Whereas she was like, well, 
it's technically not true. It's a bit of an oversimplification. And she was saying, you know, this, a lot of women's pain, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, menopausal or endometriosis, I'm so bad at pronouncing endometriosis. endometriosis. Yeah. She said it's always boiled down to the fact it's in our heads, but she was like, actually mm-hmm. it isn't. Like mental trauma carries physically and that's what um, virginissimus is. Yeah. Got a lot of technical yeah. terms, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, that's obviously what led me back to trying to deal with my birth trauma so that I could move forward. And then on, obviously I, I got pregnant. So then I was in a situation where I was like, well, I'm not quite over the birth trauma, um, but I'm doing it all again. Very feel very like lucky and grateful, um, especially after experiencing a loss at the beginning of the year. But that's when I got in touch with you because I was like, what on earth am I going to do? And it was it was kind of like taking away the joy of the pregnancy because I was kind of, absolutely terrified about what lay ahead and um i got a letter from um the consultant who did my birth debrief and she basically said so um because i had the third degree tear and um, i was stitched up incorrectly she said we i have recommended you give birth by a plan c section or cesarean section in view of the recurrence risk of a third degree tear of seven to nine percent and the risk of worsening of symptoms even in the absence of a third degree tear in future births. A planned cesarean would happen at 39 weeks, but should you go into labor prior to that, early presentation to the maternity service would be recommended. So you'd think that would be like, oh good, decision made for me, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's all done. But then I was like, I have so many fears about a cesarean and also I guess it's like the fear of the unknown, isn't it? Because I've almost, Mm -hmm. I've done the vaginal birth Mm -hmm. so I was like I don't know there was something that was really scary to me so then that's when I I messaged you to be like what can I do and what was your experience and I just found it so helpful I thought it would be great to kind of go through those options a to help me make my decision which I feel like I might have made now but also so if any of you are listening and you are you might not even be pregnant but you might be thinking like Trying doing doing it again or doing it full stop is the sort of fear that is preventing me from thinking I can, I can even try to go through it. So, what are the options, especially if you've had a sort of like traumatic experience? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, as I said to you at the beginning, you only have options when you know what they are. So, you, your letter was very. Um, one yeah, directed as to this is what you should do and it may well be that that's what you end up deciding to do but the psychological process of going through step by step is this the right thing for me is so important particularly well, for any circumstance but particularly if you have had a traumatic experience before because you know for particularly your case actually your trust was eroded with the system and the system is now telling you to do something and so of course there's going to be red flags of am I is this the right thing for me and so we sat down, didn't we? And we went through your options of both a, a vaginal and a cesarean and cesarean abdominal birth. I would just like to say, by the way, my fears for having um, or going through a cesarean mm. um, is mainly how I will cope with the recovery with a toddler. Because obviously the first time, I mean, and by the way, I wouldn't say a vagin- my vaginal birth recovery was particularly smooth sailing either like I said it took 20 months to not experience pain and um but I could just sit down because I just had a newborn to look after and I'm very mindful of the fact that now I will have a toddler 
Um, so yeah, that is a fear, but also w- what will happen with my breast milk and is that a fact? Because mm-hmm. I really want to breastfeed again if I can. And I'm worried that if your body doesn't go through that sort of, um, I don't want to say natural because I think both births are valid, but that's the other process. Yeah, exactly. Will that have an impact in um, my ability to breastfeed as well? Mm-hmm. And these are all amazing questions that you should be asking and are very real for a lot of people. I know that. Um, so yeah, of course, with a vaginal birth, if everything is straightforward, then you, it can be a shorter recovery. So as you experienced, if it's not as straightforward, then it can be almost as much as, um, you know, an abdominal cesarean birth in terms of needing bed rest and needing to really wait um, to be able to do any kind of heavy pushing or lifting, which with us with another toddler running around is tricky. Um, But what I always say in that recovery side of things to everyone and what we always say in our courses is plan for both because you just don't know what's going to happen. So have a plan, a postnatal recovery plan for a straightforward vaginal birth where yes, you could be up and about quicker. Um, You still need to have a couple of weeks at least where you're doing nothing um, and really recovering mentally and physically at least. But also have a um, a plan for if you have a cesarean abdominal birth in terms of who's around you. So who's the hands-on help for that? But also if you have an assisted birth or you experience any um, severe tearing too. So that would be the very first thing. Have a plan for both. <laughs> the recovery from a planned abdominal cesarean birth can be more straightforward than an unplanned one. Now, that obviously adds a whole other complication to the mix of decision making because you might think, oh, well, then I'll just do that. Um, But there are, of course, many positives and pros for someone um, for individual circumstances for vaginal birth too, physically. But you have to add the layer of the mental side and the mental health side of things too. So what I would suggest to anyone is write a list of literally on a piece of paper, vaginal birth, abdominal birth, cesarean. So you know, I should explain, I do always talk about it as abdominal birth, but you can actually call it whatever you like, whatever sits best with you. Um, and so really looking at the detail of your individual circumstances for someone without a, another baby, they may actually say, okay, yes, a planned abdominal birth really, really Uh, makes me feel good about this birth and I want to do that Um, but then actually a vaginal birth may be more beneficial for them particularly if um, they have had any other kind of physical symptoms going on that an abdominal birth perhaps the pain relief involved in that or something going on with the recovery side might not be suitable for them so it's just going to be so many individual elements for different people there's definitely not a best way for everyone Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. I was going to say one thing I find really interesting that I didn't know was an option in my first birth. And actually, even if I did know, it wouldn't have made a difference because we were in lockdown. And so I wouldn't have been allowed anyone else um, present anyway, but was the option of having a doula, um, which I know is a service that you offer as well as many other um, people. But for people that don't know about doulas, can you also kind of talk about that? Because I think that's such an instrumental part in helping you have an empowered birth as well. Yeah, and we yeah, doula support at both types of birth as well. Um, people kind of think, oh, it's really just for vaginal because you get more, almost like more for your money in a way because you're there, there every step of the way. But actually, they can really help to prepare for an abdominal birth and the postnatal side too. Um, but yes, a doula is there to, um, they, they know you in that room. They know exactly what your hopes, your needs, your wishes are. And they're there for you and your partner as well. So we often put so much pressure on the birth partner who... Sometimes it's the romantic partner, it might be a friend or a family member, but there's a lot of pressure on them to kind of be the advocate, be the one who um, the, the person who's doing the birthing looks at for um, support and reassurance. And, and that's a lot on someone's shoulders who isn't in this environment very much or at all. <laughs> Could be the first time they're in it. And for them to then ask questions and ask why of healthcare professionals, it can feel out of people's comfort zone. So a doula is there to do that as well as be the one who kind of understands what you need, um, has your birth preferences and helps to implement those along the way. And if things don't go to exactly how you imagine them to go to help you make sure things are in place along that path too. It's just so fascinating to me that this is such a like a great option that people don't really know about. Obviously, I know it costs money as well, but it's all down to make being able to make empowered choices, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, a doula isn't, the benefit of a doula isn't just at the birth. It's really, we get to know you before the birth too. So pretty much what we've been doing actually is like what a doula would do is we'd just to and fro in terms of whenever you need questions, answers, whenever you have something on your mind, it's something that a doula can support you with really from an, as early in pregnancy as you want to really. And it costs the same whether you book a doula at 12 weeks or 35 weeks. Um, but so I really encourage the people book one earlier than later. <laughs> so let's go back to the the two types of births. Well, simplifying it, I'm sure, I know there's lots of different ways of yeah. birth. But you said earlier, like to so write down a list, um, whatever your fears would be, or the pros and cons of vaginal versus C-section. So what are the biggest fears, and how do you overcome those? Because actually, I find like well, I've got fears on both sides actually. So, but you have to pick one. And also, my thing is like I could try and do birth again because I'd love to experience the birth that I thought I was going to have the first mm -hmm. time but equally I said to Tommy actually the other night because we were sat discussing it and I was like the thing is I went into the first birth with a really strong mental mindset and especially mm -hmm. because I've run marathons of being like I can get through this because I know that there's an end whereas I feel like I wouldn't be able to go into that birth this time around because of my past experience I know that if anything slightly not straightforward happened my head would be gone how can you overcome these fears? Yeah, and I think if, if you're particularly birthing for a second or subsequent time following a traumatic experience, you've really got to 
um, you probably know, but if you if you need to delve deep and deeper into it, you need to really understand what it was that made you feel as you did after your birth. So if it is because someone didn't listen or or you um, weren't uh, heard or something wasn't given to you that you were asking for or you didn't understand what was happening, there's a trust issue there in your care team now. And so that's what you want to avoid the next time around. Now, that doesn't mean defaulting to um, an abdominal birth for that very reason. It means going to the, the hospital where you're going to. It could mean going to a different hospital. So instead of choosing the one nearest to you, perhaps there's one still close, but one that will give you a different environment that you can go and kind of check out and, and ask more questions to the team there. Um, it could be choosing a different birthplace. So it could be at home instead of at the hospital or the birth center instead of the labor ward. Or if you had a home birth before, choosing the labor ward, whichever it is for you that means that it's going to be different this time. But that you don't just choose it without that extra research. So I know that a lot of hospitals will let you look around if you've had a traumatic experience before. Post-COVID, unfortunately, the, the tours of labor wards and things haven't quite got up and running yet. Um, but I know you can request kind of a one-to-one -one tour of a space if you need one, if it's going to help you. So these examples I'm giving are if trust is something that is really preventing you from um, or making you feel really scared of your next birth. Um, but then it might be choosing an abdominal birth because you have more control over that scenario. Can I ask you, how is your experience of an abdominal birth? Um, it was incredible, honestly. For It was very different to a home birth, the lead up the preparation, the postnatal side, it was very different. But because we prepared in a way that we would understand what was happening, so it was really important that Sophie and Jack, my friends, knew what was going on too, because I was nervous, you know, going into it. I'd never been in a hospital environment, hence choosing home births before. <laughs> um, but it was a nervous excitement rather than a nervous adrenaline. Um, we were very much focused on meeting this very long awaited baby and there was lots of reframing going on. You know, they were brilliant. Um, they were also nervous, but we just helped each other really to focus on what we were here for rather than the, the more scarier sides of what, um, an abdominal birth is. And of course there are things that you have to, you have to sign papers that are quite scary to read, but it's about focusing on them, you know, making sure that you understand the information in front of you. And do you get to like have your music on like you would in a birthing suite say like I even though I I don't remember any of the music that I picked it seems so inconsequential at the time like do you get those same sort of personal touches birthing your baby abdominally is not the same as going into being fixed or having an operation for um another reason you're going in to birth your baby and meet your baby. So the whole team in the room, which, you know, there can be 10, 12, 15 people in the room, um, medical professionals are all there to do something incredible um, and help you meet your baby. So it's a very different atmosphere when you go in. And yes, you can play music. And I really recommend that because we talk about five senses in physiological birth. It's just as important in this birth too, because we still need your oxytocin hormone to be developing. And you mentioned about breastfeeding before, and that's where oxytocin comes in. And, and if we can be producing that during the, the birth when your baby's being born um, and when they, they are born and, and having that skin to skin time, that's all going to help with the oxytocin production for breastfeeding too. Um, so I obviously, I know that you have the mindful birth group and um I did your hypnobirthing course last time which by the way I still would really recommend I like I did get so much from the course even though I didn't have a positive birth what kind of tools and techniques 
do you recommend for whether people pick vaginal or mm-hmm. abdominal births? Like, for example, if I do uh, plan C-section, what what would be the tools? I know you, I know you um, helped Kate Lawler prepare for her plan C-section, but obviously it's an area again that I don't know anything about because I've never done it before. I feel like a new mum. <laughs> yeah and I think you do it's good to go into a re-experience a feeling you know like you read to relearn because even if you're going for a vaginal birth again it's still new and you forget like so much happens in between so it's really good to prepare for everyone separately but um we offer two two courses now the reason being like we in the all births course so where you've got a vaginal birth preference you learn about all birth scenarios and unplanned scenarios such as having a, a cesarean abdominal birth but in the abdominal birth course we really respect the fact that people are choosing that option so we don't kind of we're not trying to sway you into any other way you've made that choice and so we prepare you for what happens on the day how to um, prepare for recovery postnatally and then how you bring in your personal touches to the day so you feel connected to it because that's so important just because it is more medicalized doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy it or you shouldn't be a part of it. Um, and I think historically people have looked at cesarean as the easy option and it is from lived experience. It's not the easy option. It's emotional. It's um, full on. It's incredible. <laughs> I wish there was an easy option because I would take it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And there isn't. And actually we should be, that's where we should be so proud of ourselves for choosing any of these options and going through any of these options because none of it's easy. And again, anyone who tells you it can be, or if you do it a certain way, it'll be easy. It's not true. It's, it's You've got to go into it with a mindset of, okay, I know that lots of things can happen. I can control these things and this is what's going to help me every step of the way. Um, and I think that's where our courses, have, they've, they've evolved into more of a less hypnobirthing. We include techniques, you know, breathing, visualization, all really important um, as those mechanisms to help you um, stay calm. Um, but we've evolved into a much more holistic view of, these are all the things that can happen and we, you're gonna, we're not going to shy away from induction, epidurals, you know, all the things that people think, oh, we can't talk about them because we're not supposed to have them. No, they're an option for you. So you should know what they are. I've got, I have so many questions. Uh, should, I tell you where, should I tell you where I'm at at the moment? Just in case it helps anyone as well. Like, so I've obviously been weighing up all the different options. And I think for me to go into this with a new frame of mind, and treat it like a completely new experience. I have actually written to the hospital or confirmed that I want to have an elective C-section because like I mentioned earlier, I do feel like because of what I experienced last time, my mindset won't be strong enough. No matter what I do, I will always be taken back to my first experience and I I think I'll always worry about the variables of what could happen. So I think for me to have the most empowered pregnancy where I'm not worrying the whole way through and also to have the best chance of an empowered birth, I am going to go down the planned C-section route because that way I can treat, I've never done it before and I can treat it like a really brand new experience and um, a big instrumental part of me making that decision was Tommy's mum agreeing well offering actually to come to the house for two weeks 
plus for as long as I need her. Alf knows her inside out. He loves her. Like she knows all his mannerisms. They spend so much time with him. One of the reasons we moved to Essex was to be closer to them. And that made me feel less afraid of the recovery because I know I have the support and not just support with anyone, with someone that Alf would actually prefer to hang out with anyway, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, um, I feel like even though I know I, I could still change my mind if I wanted to, it's made me really excited because I can just treat it like a brand new birth. And actually it is because of you and going through all of the options and letting me know what they are and speaking to other people who had positive birthing experiences and some of which have been on the podcast, like um, Natalie Rushdie, positive C-section experience, if you want to listen to that. I also think it's so important to, for everyone to remember that, like in your experience, or um, I'm trying to think who else I've had that's had positive birthing experiences. Another podcast that I actually listened to with Alf was called Positive Birth Experience, I think. And it's just stories from around the world of women who've had great experiences so I feel like whatever you decide to do know that there are positive experiences on all sides I think that's when you know it's the right one for you and of course there are things that you know but people can go into labor a bit earlier and that's what we'll, you're going to talk through and uh, we you know you're going to do the course aren't you and you're going to understand like what your options are there too because that's really important to understand you know what would you want to do in that scenario I will be so annoyed after Alf making me wait two weeks and that the t I find going overdue part your due date even though you know it's like a sort of made up date or a, a guesstimation it is really hard to go past the point because every day you're like is it going to be today is it going to be today is it going to be today and also <laughs> everyone else around you are like any news any news and you're like if I had news I'd have given it to you like leave yeah. me alone <laughs> so this time around if this little baby decides to be early to put me under the stress of potentially <laughs> having to go through labor when I've decided not to I will be furious. <laughs> but you'll be prepared. Hopefully, yeah, thanks to you. I'm excited to do the course. Because that's the thing, that you kind of plan a date and then you think, right, that's it. But there are things that can happen and that's okay. You know, that's, that's still completely manageable and dealable as well. It's just making sure that you do feel not out of control at any point that you know that every, so everyone's got your back. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening and you did have a positive birth experience, please email or WhatsApp me and share them because I'd love to be able to share them on the podcast because a few people are like, oh, you only speak to people that have had negative experiences. And but I suppose it's a bit like it's a bit like the news, isn't it? When it's positive, you don't really hear about it. <laughs> well, no, I've, I mean, I have. Like, I, I really talk about my experiences really fondly. I try not to dwell on them too much. I think I'm a four people now with them. But honestly, I've loved all three of them. Oh, it's so nice. But do you know what? Sometimes people say to me like, oh, I don't want to, I had a really good one. Oh, sorry. I don't want to like, I don't want you to fit, not feel annoyed. But I'm like, no, I love hearing positive. Like I want more positive experiences because also I want to know if and when I do this again, that it can be a positive experience. And I, I think, God, I'd never resent anyone for telling me any positive experiences about their life or birth or, you know, experiences of motherhood. I got an email from Jess who said, um, hey, I've just listened to your podcast and I heard the voice note about creating a better resource for preparing women and their partners, both antenatally and postnatally. 
she said, I just want to flag that this does actually exist. I didn't do NCT and instead I opted to go with a local progressive midwife who offered antenatal courses locally. She offered around the clock support on WhatsApp and she also ran a postnatal course too, which was a lifeline for me. She's so amazing. Nothing's off limits. She's recently being interviewing midwives to launch the same courses in other areas. It's such a refreshing change to NCT. This is a little plug for her, but she's on Instagram at Village Midwife. I'd really highly recommend her to anyone. Um, that's all. Thanks for your podcast. Such a great listen. I'm going through motherhood in a similar way to you. Daughter born January 2021, second June, March. Oh, it's literally the same as me. So nice to have someone I feel like I know who's on a similar journey. Keep fighting the good fight, Jess. What do you think about this? Especially NCT, like, because so many people do it, but I do hear like mixed reviews. I can't, I can't talk about it because I don't, I've never done it. Yeah, well, first of all, Sophie's brilliant, the village midwife. So, uh, yeah, I totally second that opinion. <laughs> um, and yes, we do need to have more progressive courses being taken um, because NCT is almost like people just default to it. And it's not that I don't want to knock them and say that you shouldn't do it, but you should absolutely look at what all your options are um, and see what fits with you best. I think a lot of people take that particular course to make friends and that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to one, make friends and learn about such a huge topic. <laughs> um, and so you, there are lots of ways you can make friends. Um, you can go to the baby groups up once baby's born, you can go to pregnancy or, um, or postnatal exercise, but obviously gentle exercise classes. There are many ways that you can um, meet other people. Peanut, the app is a great app as well for meeting local parents. So just consider why are you doing this course? Is it because you really want to learn and, um, and be supported in your choices? Um, and if it is, then find something that fits with that. And we, we do have courses all across the country and we teach them on Zoom. So they're very accessible. It's just that I think everyone's quite ingrained to going to the certain course. <laughs> do you know what? It's interesting because I think like probably lots of people listening, I was a lockdown mum, so I didn't even have the option. <laughs> what I'm really excited about going through this whole experience again is to get to experience it out of lockdown. Because I think while there were so many pros to it being lockdown, you know, in terms of I got to sleep when I was tired during my pregnancy, I got to hide it for longer because I wasn't out and about. Tommy and I were almost in this incredible bubble for the first four months of his life where he didn't get to meet anyone. But then on the flip side of that, I didn't quite account for how much that was sort of alienating me from so much of my old life. And I think it was when we came out of lockdown that I was suddenly like, I don't recognize myself anymore. All my friends were going back to doing what they were doing before lockdown. And that was when it hit me how much my life had changed. So I am really excited. You know, I see mums giving birth now out of lockdown. And yeah, of course there are challenges and but you know, they're out and about, even like a week after giving birth, they're in the pub with friends. And I think like, wow, the difference that would have made for me, I'm just really excited to get to experience it in a proper way and to get to go to kind of baby classes and meet people in the area. Um, so yeah, it will, it will be interesting. And I remember loads of mums saying to me at the time, um, oh, I feel so sorry for you lockdown mums. And I was like, in my head, I was like, why do you feel sorry for us? It's great, we have all this time. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, we were really kind of 
isolated. <laughs> yeah. And there's definitely some pros in there of like having time to heal and recover without having the pressure of having to meet people and dates in your diary. But it's all about taking it one day at a time. When you feel ready, that's a great thing to do. But, you know, don't be worried about changing things and, and sort of saying to people, I'm not ready today. Let's do it another day or something like that. That's interesting as well. Yeah. Tommy said to me the other day, do you think you'll breastfeed for as long? And I was like, well, I, I hope so. And he was like, yeah, but it's not lockdown now. So it might be harder. And I was like, yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, I think people, I will, if I can, I'll breastfeed for as long as I can. Same with Alf. And if people have a problem with me breastfeeding in public, like I always say, that's a very much them problem, not a me problem. Absolutely. But um, I also very much have the attitude of like well we can't plan you know maybe I won't be able to breastfeed and that's totally valid as well I'm not gonna I think sometimes we try to to plan things that actually we can't control don't we like well I'll do it for this or I'll do it for that and we're discussing at the moment of like when to move Alf out of what's currently his room because eventually it'll be the baby's room and I was like, well, there's no point in even doing it yet because A, it's going to be at least six months, but knowing me, it'll probably be 12 months like it was with Alf. Like, but maybe he or she will want to be in their own room sooner. So I said to Tommy that there's literally no point. Like the baby will tell us when it's ready or when I feel ready or whatever it is. Like we just can't plan. That's the thing. And we actually have videos in our course rather than trying to teach people how to feed, how to baby sleep or how to change a nappy before the baby's here, you can watch them after <laughs> because when you're in the moment and knowing what your baby needs, then you know which things you need to learn. Um, otherwise, it's just too overwhelming. I, I can't wait to be able to like name name the baby. Like with Alf, we called him Alf like really <laughs> early on and um, knew who, who he was. Well, obviously we didn't know who he was, but we knew he was a boy um, and we knew he was going to be called Alfie, whereas it's so weird saying the baby, the baby, the baby. <laughs> um, so yeah, it would be nice to be able to give baby a name. <laughs> Do you have any last minute words of advice or wisdom, whether it's about childbirth or whether it's about um, going from one child to two children yeah i mean the biggest thing that we're saying really is you will never forget your birth and postnatal recovery experience so however it goes you will remember it for the rest of your life so put the time in prepare for it just as you would you know if you're booking a holiday or you're booking um, or you're buying a house like whatever it is those big life decisions you always put time into preparing um so please do that because your postnatal new parents self will thank you for it whether it's first time baby second time third time whatever it is they're all new experiences um, and just try and seek out a bit more of an individualized support network. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, a course that, you know, will keep in touch with you along the way, um, not kind of a one hit. Um, and then you go off by yourself, um, a doula, um, perhaps a midwife, if you're not quite happy with your midwife and how the support you're getting, you know, try and see if you can find another one that um, you can switch them out. Basically, you can ask to, to change midwife care change your hospital trust, whatever it is you need to feel confident and um, safe in your care, you can do that. I mean, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> just that's my biggest advice is just try and get that personalized support that you feel comfortable with. 
So if you do also need to talk about your previous experience or you're not quite happy with your care right now, go to birthrights.org.uk. They've got amazing fact sheets on everything you need to know in these areas. And we'll put that link in the show notes too. That's amazing. Thank you. And I should also add that if anyone wants to follow you, um, you run a brilliant Instagram, The Mindful Birth Group. Again, we'll make sure all of these links and stuff are in the blurb at the bottom. Um, But yeah, there's so much useful um, information and advice on, um, well, whether you're planning to have a vaginal birth or an abdominal birth abdominal I really need to learn how to say words before I say them Emiliana thank you so much for your time Um, yeah like I said earlier if anyone has any questions or their own stories about um, birth especially positive ones then I'd love to hear from you so you can obviously get in touch on whatsapp you can send a voice message it's free you can do it anonymously um, it's 75 2757 of course you can email us like Jess did at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com um, or another really easy way for us to find comments is you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts um, but as always I'm so grateful to everyone for listening I really hope that was as reassuring for you guys um as it was for me i'm i feel excited because of you thank you so much for all your words of wisdom and assurance and just kind of letting me know the different options and um even though i might change my mind it feels nice that it's not such a weight on my shoulders anymore and um yeah i'll be back with another episode same time same place next week 